it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Excludes sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroByTMobile.com. Hockey fans, join the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, James Naveau and me, Jay Zawoski, February 24th at the Allstate Arena for our annual Chicago Wolves outing. $20 gets you tickets to the game, free parking, a free hot dog, a free soda, a Madhouse Podcast t-shirt, Wolves gear, and a pregame meet and greet with Chicago Wolves brass. Visit madhousepod.com slash events and click the image for the link to buy tickets. That's 20 bucks for a ticket. Free parking, free hot dog, free soda, Madhouse podcast t-shirt, Wolves gear, and a pregame meet and greet. Come join us and the Chicago Wolves on February 24th at the Allstate Arena, madhousepod.com slash events for tickets. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and by Michael Elwood of Remax First Service, serving the Chicagoland area. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, my friends, to a chock-full edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the pride and joy of Homewood, Illinois, likely less drunk than he was the last time that I saw him. Correct. The one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score, Jay Unlike previous editions of this podcast in which we've had precious little to talk about and we end up yelling at each other about the future and such things, today 
we actually have a lot to talk about. We really do. We have a the present to talk about for the first time. I mean, you know, we've been talking about like oh, the games and sort of the news of the, of the you know, which is kind of what happens during the week. But damn, this has been a newsy day or a couple days. So let's get right to it. James, I know you were all fired up today. You set a little outline. So I'm just going to put my feet up and let you drive this bad boy and steer it in your direction. You are the captain of my ship, my friend. Bring it on. Yeah, this is a rare experience for me when I feel the wherewithal and the necessity to actually come up with an outline because, frankly, we have to figure out where we want to start. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with the really fun stuff, like the fun, immediate stuff, which is the Blackhawks' current seven-game winning streak in which they beat the Detroit Red Wings yesterday. I don't know if you saw this, Jay, but the Blackhawks have won like 16 of their last 21 against Detroit or something like that. Like they are on a ridiculous run against the Red Wings, really enjoying the way they've been playing against them. And frankly, it's just the continuation of what's been kind of the trend of late, which has been really solid offensive efforts, really good looks on the power play, really good goaltending again by Cam Ward yesterday. Just overall, like this team has been a lot of fun to watch recently. And like I said, they've won seven in a row. What do you think? What in the mind of Jay Zawoski, that big, beautiful mind of yours, what's been the biggest contributing factor to this current winning streak? Well, I think having a plus, you know, an, an over 25% shooting percentage on the power play goes a long way. Uh, that's very helpful. You have what the top four scorers in the league over the last. Uh, 20 days or so um, one thing by the way before we move too quickly past yesterday's game I know I addressed this in the post game but I know people don't catch every post game what I loved about yesterday's game was it wasn't Kane and Taves only carrying the load on their own it was a so- nine points for the second line of Strom, Debrinket, and Cahoon I think Perlini had a strong game the Kruger and Saad Perlini line had a really good game on both ends they had some sustained offensive possessions for long times during that game so this was kind of the exception to how it has been look Kane and Taves have been on fire and it's great and look Patrick Kane still had two assists yesterday um (laughs) but they're more quiet than usual some other guys were contributing and to me that's the really encouraging part Uh, I'm sure we're going to get to it but now Dylan Sakira is up because David Kampf is hurt so we're going to see Dylan Sakira play against Boston tomorrow so I don't know man it's I'm in that weird place of, do I get excited? Like, I'm I'm really enjoying this. And look, we you and I talked about how much we're sort of enjoying the season before the streak began. This has made it all the more enjoyable. And the way this has turned in the eyes of, like, the casual observers, right? Like, me working at the score, we didn't talk Hawks until, what, January 20th? or You know what I mean? It wasn't even a thought. Yeah, the Winter Classic got some mention, but now everyone's buzzing about it. The whole city is buzzing about the Blackhawks. They have gotten hot at the perfect time when there's really nothing else to watch. So hopefully they can keep this going because I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Yeah, I mean, obviously with the bummer of the Cubs offseason so far and the double doink of Cody Parkey, I mean, black like Chicago fans are just kind of looking for something to latch on to. And obviously a seven game winning streak for a three time Stanley Cup winning bunch is definitely something that's going to kind of get some attention. And I did want to mention real quick, you had uh, brought up Dylan Sakura playing tomorrow night. 
really love what Jeremy Colleton excuse me, did with that. He's benching Chris Kunitz tomorrow night so he can play his 1,000th career NHL game at the United Center later this week. I thought that was a really a smart idea. Obviously, I'm sure Chris Kunitz really appreciates it. And it's one of those little things, I think, that can endear a coach to a team. So kudos to Jeremy Colleton for doing that now. To guys who are actually relevant to what the Blackhawks are doing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was kind of a mean uh, Chris Kunitz slam right after I was uh, talking about his thousandth game. I, it has been really interesting watching the tide turn with the Blackhawks. Like everybody kind of writing off the season. The season's over. They're in last place in hockey, you know, tank for Hughes, whatever you want to call it. And now all of a sudden they've won seven straight games. I know there's still a lot of work left to be done. But as that kind of games in hand starts to dwindle a little bit with these other teams that are chasing that playoff spot in the West, the Blackhawks are still in the thick of it. And I know they're four points out. Obviously, that's still, you know, quite a mountain to climb when you consider how many teams are kind of bunched up. But I mean, this is the kind of this is the time of year that you want to be winning those kinds of games and kind of ginning up that interest when there really isn't anything else going on. And I think it's gonna be good for the Blackhawks moving forward to kind of show themselves, show the fans that they can still win some games. And it's really, it's creating an interesting conversation that we're going to kind of get into a little bit more later about what they should do as the trade deadline approaches. Like what should this kind of impact be on the mentality and the focus of this front office? But before we get into that, I did want to mention one other player specifically that has been a big driving force and a big contributing factor to the team's recent success, and that's Dylan Strome, who ended up getting named as the NHL's third star of the week this week. He's just been absolutely on fire since he joined the Blackhawks. Very nearly a point-per-game guy in the 31 or 32 games that he's been in Chicago. He, it's just been an absolute revelation to have him playing the way that he is. And when you combine that with what Alex DeBrincat has been able to do this season and what Do- Dominic Cahoon has been able to do this season... I know there's been some concern about the age of Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, but seeing those young guys step up and especially stepping up in a situation like this where the playoffs are still a possibility, man, that just feels really good, doesn't it? It does, and and Dylan Strom, you mentioned 30 points in 32 games with the Blackhawks. Uh, I don't think the person most optimistic when that trade was made would have predicted that Dylan Strom would fit in as well as he has uh, with the Blackhawks. It's really been incredible. He is playing his best hockey with the Hawks as of late. And, yeah, of course, the numbers speak for themselves. But just watching him on the ice, he's so much more comfortable. It's almost as if the game has sort of slowed down for him a little bit. And I think when, you know, when you're talking about a young player with high expectations, uh, sort of faltering in his time in Arizona, then coming here, traded for a really high prospect in Nick Schmaltz, there's some pressure there as well. And he came in sort of in the middle of things when it was kind of a disaster and the Hawks were getting their asses kicked night after night. Now that the team has settled down, he has settled down. He's found his home with Alex Dabrinkit. He's found his home on the power play. And, man, we're looking back on that trade now. And, look, Nick Schmaltz could turn out. He's out for the year right now. But Nick Schmaltz can turn into an all-star for Arizona. And I don't know if anyone would take that trade back. It has worked out so well for the Blackhawks. And and I've been – look, I mentioned it in the postgame yesterday – when Dylan Strom was one of the stars of the game, he's been one of our stars almost every week when we've done this, right? Like since yeah. we started doing the three stars of the week uh, and game, I feel like Dylan Strom has been 
maybe 30 40 percent of those for sure like he's been a big part of our stars of the game as the season's gone on and that's tough when you consider that the way Taves and Kane have been playing number one and two are pretty locked up night after night and Alex to bring it <laughs> so for him yeah. to get in there that often that says something and he's been absolutely outstanding and uh man it really has this morning uh, I pointed out that the uh, you know the the top four Hawks in scoring T- uh, Kane Taves Debrinket and Schmaltz the top four scoring in the NHL since January twentieth, and I pointed out that that was not sustainable. And a guy went after me and said that I'm a liberal and I'm taking the fun out of sports and uh, I hate the Blackhawks or something. Uh, clearly, that's not the case. I I want the Blackhawks to win. James and I really want the Blackhawks to win because it means more podcast listeners. It means more sponsors and all that stuff. Uh, yeah. It's just been a fun ride, and I'm sort of suspending disbelief here until things get back to reality. And who knows? Maybe they won't. They probably will, but maybe they won't. Well, I mean, we we look and still see the flaws of the team, and we've you know been quick to point those out even when the Blackhawks were romping to the best record in the Western Conference a couple of years ago. We were adamant that there were still flaws in this team, and lo and behold, they got exposed in that series against Nashville. We went into last season optimistic, obviously, that we, we would be wrong in saying that the Blackhawks wouldn't be you know, kind of in the, mit- the mix for a playoff spot. We weren't too optimistic last season. We saw what happened. You always... You do have to keep some element of realism here and be realistic. You can't let your idealism kind of color your viewpoint of this team. The defense is still struggling. The goaltending they've been getting lately from Cam Ward, who has a 940 save percentage during this winning streak, that's not sustainable. And obviously the scoring run that Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves have been on is not sustainable. But that being said, that caveat being kind of laid out there, it has just been so much fun fun to watch all of this to watch Patrick Kane be on pace for by far his career high in points you know he's on pace right now for 121 points this season that is insane and that that would blow that's pretty good it would blow away his career high that he set in his uh Art Ross and Hart Trophy winning year I mean that's to me what like the fact that Patrick Kane's run has been kind of taking a backseat at least a little bit to what Dylan Strom and Alex DeBrinkett and those guys have been doing kind of speaks to just how well the Blackhawks offense is clicking on all cylinders, man. Like it, yeah. and it's also taken attention away from the goaltending too. Like there's so much going on that's good with the team right now that it's hard to just kind of aim at one thing and talk about it. Yeah, and I think Kane has gotten to the point too where. It almost becomes expectation that he's going to, you know, like, well, you know, you know, you're going to get at least two points from Patrick Kane. That's a given every night. Right. <laughs> you know, to, the fact that he's gotten there uh, this year and look at this, the way he started this year was not great. No. Um, you know, he there were a couple games where you and I questioned his commitment, questioned his desire to play. And uh, man, he has just sort of taken it upon himself to turn this thing around. And, and the, the rest of the team sort of jumped on his back more recently but he's been putting up just insane number was it 14 game uh 14 game scoring streak that is correct now, current and, longest streak in the nhl yeah and he has scored uh multi-point outputs in more games and he's been held scoreless mm-hmm. so he has more two-point games and he has zero point games that is absolutely incredible and uh you know for for his sake you probably want to see the hawks get in the, in the playoffs so he can win a second heart trophy because i think if they get in there is no doubt that he's the MVP. 
I, zero question to me. I know that, like, obviously the guys out in Colorado, you know, are having a good season. They'll probably end up poaching votes from one another. Right. Exactly. I, just, I look at this and say if the Blackhawks get into the postseason, I think it, it would be an upset to me if Patrick Kane didn't win the heart for a second time. Yeah. Well, he certainly deserves it. All right. Why don't we take our first time out here? Uh, come back with with some of the news of the day now. Corey Crawford with a, has returned to practice at full speed. Colin Delia has a new deal. whole lot of other stuff. But look, you're ready for a Hawks jersey. You want a new one? You want a Colin Delia jersey? Just signed a three-year deal today. Head over to Triple Threat Sports, triplethreatsports.com. They'll hook you up with a sweet-looking, authentic Blackhawks jersey. It will look just like it looks on the ice. But I know better than anybody this week, this has been hell for me, man, for getting this softball season ready. I had no idea it was this much work, but it's time to start ordering those uniforms. This is the time. So if you're a president of a league or you run a softball team, whatever, hit up Triple Threat Sports. If you can wear it, they can make it 708-478-6090 or chris at triplethreatsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, they have been our longtime day one sponsor, and we thank them for that. So with that, going to take our first time out, and then we will be back with a whole ton more on this very newsy, very exciting, very fun Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski with you. James Neville, as always, alongside. He's at home in lovely Bourbon A, not too far, by the way, from Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. I know James was there very recently. I was there recently as well. We've talked about Marishka's for years, the home of the world-famous Poor Boy Sandwich. They've also got the twice-baked potatoes, the mountain of onion rings, the steaks, the seafood, the craft beer. Everything at Marishka's is great. Bring your friends. Bring your family. Everyone's going to love it. You'll go back again and again. 604 Theodore Street. They are owned and operated, uh, family-owned and operated since 1933. So go visit our friends at Marishka's. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So go say hello to Joe and his Adralovich family. Go drown yourself in garlic butter. Marishkas.com. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Ugh. We have some in our fridge, by the way. What? Yep. Oh man, that you are a lucky man. I just eat it with spoons. I'm telling you right now, like that was like the most underrated part of my last Marishka's experience was biting into the poor boy sandwich and having that stuff run down my oh, goatee. Yeah. Oh, it was heaven. Last time I was there, I got a tour. We'll have to go together and get a tour. The place is incredible. Anyway, go visit them, marishkas.com or facebook.com slash marishkas, M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. We love them. You will, too. I want to go there right now. And the the roads are icy, and I would probably end up in Rock Creek or something out by the Kankakee State Park. But anyway, I digress from all that. We've got more hockey to talk about, and we have more good news. There's so much good news with the Blackhawks right now. This is such a wonderful departure. Let's talk about Corey Crawford, my friend. Corey Crawford back on the ice today at practice, full participant for the Blackhawks potentially nearing a return we don't really know jeremy Calladin has been really playing coy with the status of his goaltenders lately which has been kind of a weird and funny thing to kind of observe but yeah Corey crawford back out on the ice taking shots looks like he he might be back for the stretch run jay i mean that's pretty surprising news considering where he was just you know a month or two ago well that's the crazy thing with these concussions is that he'll just suddenly wake up and feel better 
And and there you go. You know, they're unpredictable. You never know what the long-term effects are going to be. You and I were talking about retirement. He said today that he never considered it. Um, so, look, man, they're a better team with Corey Crawford and Gold. Regardless of how well Cam Ward and Cal and Dewey are playing, Corey Crawford's the franchise. He's the guy that's won two Stanley Cups. He is the backbone of this team. So, uh, man, you when you really start adding everything up, um, and again, we're, we are having happy fun time, you know, rainbow time today, but there are some things that are alarming about the defense of this team, some of the shots allowed, some of the shots generated. Some of this is smoke and mirrors, but look, Corey Crawford coming back is another plus for a team that is fighting to get into the playoffs. And uh, I would say what you think probably within the next week he'll get a start, I would think, just by the way he's talking. It seems like right now it's more of a matter of conditioning than yep. you know feeling up to it, I guess, using air quotes there. Uh, it's, it seems like if, if his conditioning was there, he'd be ready to play. Yeah, and obviously, first and foremost, great to see him just healthy and talking and happy again. Yeah. You know, like aside from all the hockey stuff, that that concussion looked absolutely brutal when it happened. So really happy to see Corey Crawford as healthy and happy as he is like that. First and foremost, us is what's always kind of been at the forefront of our minds. Now, now having said that, now I have to be Mr. Cynical Hockey Man because we have a dilemma now. Don't we? We have several dilemmas, actually, and we are going to talk through them one by one here. First one's up. Does Corey Crawford coming back to the Blackhawks influence their decision on whether they are going to be buyers or sellers at the NHL trade deadline? Well, I asked the source that very question yesterday before we knew Corey Crawford was maybe it was two days ago before we knew how close Corey Crawford was. My question was sort of, is this winning streak going to influence the trade deadline? The answer was no. So whatever their plans were, and from what we heard over the last couple of weeks, it, it seems to be sell, maybe not burn the whole thing down, but look right. to move some veteran pieces for some assets, some young players, whatever. As far as I understand it, that is still the mindset uh, because I don't think the Hawks didn't know Corey Crawford was closed two days ago, right? Uh, well, so- okay, wait, wait a minute. They like, they played coy with his condition the entire time over the summer. I'm not making any assumptions about what they knew or didn't know well i don't think i don't think Corey like suddenly in two days i mean look uh, today was full participation yesterday he was taking shots and working out with the team so i would think that yeah, the day before yesterday they probably knew that he was uh, approaching that so sure i yeah, don't I was think just, i was being slightly facetious of course no i know i, I just want to make sure we're clear on stuff here um yeah. but yeah i i don't think that that's changing their plans at all as far as the trade deadline goes it's, I, I would hope that you're correct. I went on uh, the score yesterday and talked with Julie DeCaro and Maggie Hendricks about this very thing. And I said that the mountain to climb to get into the postseason is still really, really high. It's going to be really tough with the defense that they have. And what exactly is the benefit for the long term of the organization if they get into the playoffs and they get bounced after round one? Then you're stuck with like the 17th or 18th overall pick in the draft. You're not going to get a guy who's going to be able to contribute in the next year or two. Like there's not a ton of benefit to getting into the postseason other than obviously for, you know, fans and for the mentality maybe of the players who kind of enjoy getting into the postseason. I just I don't see enough of a benefit for them to completely change course and become buyers, especially when it seems like it's really going to be a seller's market you know, when the Devils are getting second round picks for Brian Boyle, it seems like you could get 
a decent return for a guy like a Brandon Saad, or you could probably get a decent pick for a guy like Chris Kunitz or Cam Ward. So, I mean, I, I hope that they're not letting this kind of color their judgment and they're going to blow assets to try to get better this season. And it doesn't seem like they're going to head in that direction. I don't think so. You just wonder if they rattle off three more in a row here. It just, you know, the deadline is in 14 days. So in the next two weeks, they're, it's not like they're up against the you know the the juggernauts of the NHL. They got Boston tomorrow. I'm gonna yep. pull up the schedule here real quick. And of course, the NHL.com app always speedy, always loads up <laughs> right when you need it to. So they've got Boston tomorrow. They've got uh, the Devils at home on Thursday. The Jackets at home Saturday. Ottawa home Monday. At Detroit on the 20th. Home against Colorado. Tough game on the 22nd. Home against Dallas on the 24th. So those mm-hmm. are the games before the deadline. Crap, that's a lot of winnable games. I mean, look, Boston's winnable. They're a good team, but it's winnable. The Devils are giving them fits this year, but it's mm. at home. Columbus is sort of in the t- – they're like, you know, is Panarin going to go? Is is Bobrovsky going to go? Are those guys right. happy? It's tumultuous there. Ottawa sucks. Detroit sucks always, and especially now. Uh, <laughs> Colorado is – obviously great dallas is, is fine um so yeah i mean you could look at three or four wins in there for sure um and it's not inconceivable they only lose one or two of those i don't know man i i just wonder what has to happen for them to say eh, maybe we should give this a shot i i just i, I don't I know think I, you're right though, like, what, what's the they benefit don't make any trades yeah sand pad is this is not great uh, but but here's the other thing like do you want them to upgrade do you want no. them to like? No, no, yeah. no, no. So it's so stand pat or trade people is Bingo. the answer. And I think, look, playoffs are fun. I would love to get the shifts at the score. We would love to have more people listening to the podcast. That's good for us. But it is not beneficial for this team aside from, okay, that was fun. We made the playoffs when it was unexpected. We had a really nice run, right, to get here and uh, we earned it and, and that was great. But you're going to get your asses kicked in the first round. And like you said, you're stuck with a subpar draft pick, something that's not going to really turn the fortunes of the franchise. Um, and, and nothing is really different this summer, no. right? Aside from, well, we could have had a great draft pick, and now we don't. That would be the really only big change. Yeah. I mean, they'll obviously have cap space, too. And I would assume they're probably going to go out and try to get a, you know, second, third type defenseman is probably what they're going to be looking to spend their money on. I'm still holding my breath on them trying to go out and get, say, Artemi Panarin. But anyway, I digress. I, well, we let, still let's have address that real quick. Go ahead. The, the Panarin thing, because everyone's talking about this. Everybody wants to bring him back. And look, Panarin is a dynamic player. I said he was a one trick pony. I have worn that. Since the day he was traded, when he continued to be great in Columbus, playing his best hockey there, he's going to get $11 million. Not worth it. You have enough scoring. You've got Kane. You've got Taves. You've got Dabrinkit. You've got Strom. You've got some other guys with some offensive potential. Cahoon has shown some potential. I think Perlini can be better than he's been. Well, of course he can be better than he's been, but we've seen him put up good numbers. There's Secure as a guy with some scoring potential. I don't think you need to invest $11 million. To me, Panarin's a luxury. You yeah. want to you want to blow $11 million on a player? Give it to Eric Carlson. Dang. And or or give it to two really good, 
you know, number two, number three defenseman instead. The one thing I really like about Eric Carlson is just the way that he could kind of mentor Adam Boquist. Like that to me would be, I I know mentoring kind of gets overblown sometimes, but the way their skill sets would kind of mesh, I kind of want that. It certainly doesn't hurt. No, not at all. I mean, just look at the way that uh, Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews talk about Patrick Marlowe. Bingo. About his influence on the team. And look, maybe it's not quantifiable. You're absolutely right, man. I mean, that's... It matters. That, but you know what? That's a conversation for a different day. Yes. We still have yes, more is. news that we need to go over. And that news has to do with Colin Delia, who signed a new three-year contract extension that's going to pay him a... Are you sitting down? Are you ready for this? Yes. One million dollars a season. Wow. I personally think by the end of that deal, that could be a really good bargain. I think it's a good bargain anyway. I think as of right now, that's a bargain for Calendelia, especially with three years uh, to go on it. That is a no brainer to me. That is a guy who in some some reality, some realistic reality. I know that's a. a little redundant, but like he could be your starting goalie for a million bucks for the next yeah. three years. Yep. I because Corey Crawford's a free agent after next season, and then beyond that, like when, it's been a while since the Blackhawks have had a legit like potential goaltender developing in their system. Obviously, guys like Scott Darling and Antti Ranta have come up through the system, but they didn't come up kind of the more traditional, slow way that Colin Delia is. So having him for a million bucks a season, I think, is just an absolute bargain for the Blackhawks. It's a great deal. And every now and again, Stan Bowman pulls one of these. Uh, For every Brent Seabrook, there's one of these like, wow, he was able to get that guy for a million bucks for three years? That's a really great deal. Um, But, by the way, you mentioned Scott Darling. Did you see the news on Scott Darling? Yeah, that was really unfortunate. I think we were going to get maybe into that in the third segment. But, like... It's it's such a bummer, and you hope that everything's okay with him, knowing the struggles that he's gone through in his life. Obviously, we've discussed many times on this show, there are things that are a lot more important than hockey, and I just hope that he's okay, man. Scott Darling's a legitimately good dude, and whatever issues he needs time to work through, I hope that he gets that time, and I hope that he's able to persevere, and I think he will because... He is a strong guy, and he's a really good dude. Yeah, he is a great guy. I've met him uh, several times, had a couple events with him. That's why he got traded, of course. Um, yes. But, yeah, good dude. I, I think he's got a good support staff. And one thing about Scott Darling is he's a really smart guy. By the way, we haven't said what's happening. He is taking a uh, leave of absence from the Hurricanes organization. They haven't really disclosed what the issue is, but I think people who know Scott's story can sort of connect the dots, and he's sort of reassessing and reevaluating and probably just going in for a refresher to uh, get himself fixed up, so wishing the best to Scott Drawing. But anyway, back to uh, Delia. Uh, this guy kind of just came out of nowhere, right? Like, came in, uh, la- what, two, was it two training camps ago at Notre Dame where he was, yep. like, really outstanding. Like, damn, this guy can can play a little bit. But he was just, a, like, a free agent signing and then uh, it really came up this year in an emergency circumstance and has been really impressive. He hasn't been quite the guy he was in his first handful of games He's let up a soft goal the other day, um, but for the most part, he's been really, really solid, and he's a big part of the reason the Hawks have had this resurgence, so locking him up for three years at a million bucks. I mean, look, Corey Crawford is one hit away from maybe never playing again, and is I don't want to be flippant about it, but that's yeah. just kind of the reality of these guys who play with all these concussions. You never know when Corey is going to just say, you know what, that's enough. Like, I've got a, I've got a family. I've got a child I have to worry about. Uh, that's enough. That's enough dings to the head. I've made my money. I've won my cups. 
I've got my accolades. Uh, it's time for me to set them down. So it, it there is a true reality that Calendelia could be your starter for three years at one million dollars, and that is that that's a great deal for Sam Bowman. We got to give him props on that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that, and it also kind of brings up an interesting question for right now, which is as the trade deadline is approaching and as we're having to make some roster decisions here, Corey Crawford coming back, do you send Colin Delia down or do you just carry him right now? Because that's a tough decision for me. Like I want Colin Delia to get more than like one or two games in a long stretch, but I still like feels kind of weird sending him down, but I also don't know about carrying three goaltenders. I'm really conflicted on this. Yeah, I, I think that if Crawford's back and he's getting the bulk of the starts, I think you send Delia down just so he plays. Yeah. You know, um, unless they move Cam Ward at the deadline, which I think is still a possibility. I don't think they're actively shopping him. Like, mm-hmm. we, we discussed, like, well, maybe they're showcasing him. I, I've been told that's not necessarily the point. But I wonder if Corey Crawford's sudden health uh, changes that a little bit. I don't think so. I think it's going to be Crawford and Ward uh, down the stretch. Delia will get, you know, 60 to 70% of the starts down in Rockford and really hone his game. We mentioned with Henry Yokoharu, you know, like these young players can come up and hold their own, but really under the surface, they're just they're struggling wildly. And that was sort of what they said about Yokoharu was, yeah, he, he's been fine. But we want him to dominate. We don't want him to feel like every shift he's fighting for his life. And that's sort of where it had gotten with Henry Yokoharu. And maybe they're starting to see it with Colin Delia a little bit. So he will go down, uh, assuming they don't trade Cam Ward. Delia will go down and be the starter in Rockford. And I think that could be a good thing. While we'd like to see him play up here, I want to see him get starting minutes, starting time, and really hone his game and work on the things he needs to work on to become a full-time NHL uh, starter or at least like you know, almost split time back up. Yeah, I agree with that. It just still stinks. Like yeah, he's sure. been playing well enough to be up here. And, you know, I, I guess it's always a better thing to have a glut of good goaltenders than to not have enough. Yeah. And we, at one point this season, we're worried that we didn't have enough. And now all of a sudden there's three of them. Like that's, Hey man, I'll take it. Right. Like this is a way better problem to have than, Oh God, we don't have anyone that can stop the puck. Yeah, it, it is an, it's a luxury to have three goalies you trust. And I think it's fair to say they trust Cam Ward right now, and they should. He's been playing great. You mentioned 944 save percentage. Callan Dealey, everyone knows, has been great. And now you've got your franchise goalie uh, looking to be back soon. That is really good news. Uh, but, again, I just want to reiterate how happy I am for Corey Crawford because I, you and I talked about it after that, like, boy, I hope that's not it. I hope it's not it for that guy and to see him come back. And, and he's got kind of a positive attitude. I know they were sort of joking about it in practice, like, don't run him over. And they kind of all had a chuckle about it. So they're lighthearted about it. It seems like it's a positive thing. Uh, and it's always easier to come back when things are going well than when they're tail spinning. Right. So I think this return is just all in all a better situation for Crawford to return in. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what it's going to bring, how he's going to look and what it could mean for the Hawks going forward. Got to got to agree with you there. Um, I think what we should do, Jay, and pardon me if you don't approve of this strategy, I think when we come back from our next break, we should look forward just a little bit. But first, we'll go ahead and we'll take care of your three stars. We're going to talk about some potential coaching openings for a mustachioed former Blackhawks coach, kind of evaluate that a little bit. And then, of course, Take care of your email today. What do you think of that, Jay? Is that a good plan? Sounds great to me. 
Excellent. Got to tell you, though, before the break about our friends at Rabbit Brewing in Homewood. We were out there uh, this week for our Blackhawks watch party. Real low-key, real fun time. Had a bunch of Hawks fans come out in not great weather, uh, really cold, kind of icy conditions, but it was a really fun night. Watched the Hawks win uh, with our friends at Rabbit Brewing. And I think, James, you've been there a couple times now. I've been there dozens of times. The atmosphere there just makes you feel welcome. You walk in, and Ray and Tobias, who run the place, they're happy to see you. They sit you down. They tell you about all the beers they have. I took home a crawler of the Hexed. Yeah, that was gone quick. That yeah, was... brand spanking new beer, man. Yeah, they oh, tapped oh, it oh. on. They they tapped it on. I don't know if you tap it. What do you call? It? What do you? Ta- I guess you tap it from the. They they tapped it. Yeah, I mean that's on yeah, Wednesday. That's what it's technically called. On, they tapped it on Wednesday. Our event was on Thursday. It is the Blackberry Apricot. Unbelievable. And I had two or three of those the other night, and I was feeling it, man. Saturday night, I stood up at a party, and I was like, whoo, that <laughs> hex, that got to me. But, yeah, go visit our friends. Everything there, we talk about it all the time. There's there's a beer there for everybody, so go check them out. The time has come for you to drink mythological-level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing, in Homewood, Illinois. And, of course, the night ended with sumo wrestling on the big screen, as is tradition. At oh, yeah. But with that, we're going to take a break, bring it back with the three stars, and get to those topics James teased, all that more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. The three stars of the week are brought to you by our star real estate broker, Michael Elwood of Remax First Service, serving all your real estate needs in the Chicagoland area. 708-675-1600. Number three star of the week goes to Dominic Cahoon playing his best hockey of the season for the Blackhawks. Five points in his last three games, including three points in the win over the Red Wings. He has really, uh, since joining that second line with Strom and Debrinkit and kind of maybe taking a step off that top line, I think that's freed him up a little bit. I think it's built his confidence a little bit. And you're seeing what Stan Bowman saw when they brought him in uh, this summer. He has been really, really good lately, and you have to be encouraged by what we've seen from Dominic Cahoon lately. Yeah, had a two-goal game the other day, just absolutely playing some outstanding hockey right now. Really been liking the chemistry that he's had with basically, it seems like everybody he lines up with. It just, it's <laughs> it seems like he's able to just do some remarkable things on the ice. I love his speed. I love his intelligence. Like, it's truly remarkable to me the way that he's been able to come right in uh, to this to the system and just perform the way that he has. And I, I was unable to find exactly who said it today. But one of the Blackhawks beat guys kind of made the point that Dominic Cahoon, being a first-year player the way that he is, is kind of like a, a lottery pick in the NHL draft that just all of a sudden like comes in and makes an immediate impact. And... Blackhawks fans who were bemoaning the fact that Adam Boquist was sent down and didn't get to play this season because it was a you know lottery pick that you have to wait on the results of Dominic Cahoon made an immediate impact. So he's basically he was what you were hoping 
uh, Adam Boquist would have been. And I kind of liked that comparison. Yeah, that's that's really solid. And of course, you're not going to have the, the ceiling on Cahoon that you have in a uh, lottery player. But uh, you're looking at a guy who's already what is he? Uh, yeah, 27 points in 56 games. And he's been heating up big time lately. You're looking at a guy who, you know, if if for the next three or four years can put up 45 points for you, that is a absolute bargain. You'll yeah. take that every day. All right, number two star of the week, oh, Patrick Kane. Oh, hum. A, a lowly five points in his last three games. I don't know what's wrong with him, but hopefully uh, he can figure it out and get things going for once. Yeah, get your head out of your butt, Kane. I don't know what you've been doing what lately. A, what a bum. And the number one star goes to Dylan Strom, who we uh, – threw bouquets at the feet of earlier today seven points in his last three games he is the nhl's number three star of the week and rightfully so he has been absolutely outstanding and all the things we heard about him when he came over here about oh his skating is bad and he just can't you know he just can't can't seem to find a way to score all that's been answered look he's still not the strongest skater but it's working it's working in this system he's i don't see him struggling to keep up with his line mates, and he's playing with two speedy guys into Brinkett and Cahoon, and he's had his best week as a pro. So uh, I think the the hype about his skating ability was a little bit overblown, and I think we can chalk that up to a win and Stan Bowman's trade ledger. Absolutely yeah. great week for Strom. Great, yeah, great moves lately by Stan Bowman, highlighted by Dylan Strom. I mean, there we got a question, I believe it was from Joe Cromwell, if memory serves, about the potential lack of forward uh, depth in the minor league system because we've been talking a lot about the defensemen that the team is beginning to groom and kind of move through the system and he mentioned that there might be some concern on the forward front I think that concern has been allayed in large part thanks to how well Dominic Cahoon has been playing and how well Dylan Strom's been playing and even Drake Kajula to a lesser extent like it feels like the Blackhawks have kind of re- They've, they've kind of refilled the cupboard, so to speak, like they and they haven't had to make a bunch of like high profile blockbuster moves or draft picks or whatever. And Dylan Strom obviously is like the cream of the crop when it comes to that. I don't think he's going to be an 82, 83 point a year player when all is said and done. But I mean, you, you can't really, sn- you know, sneeze at 32 games and 30 points. That's not really that small of a sample size. So well, the other I thing like, too is, is Cahoon is 23. Strom is 21. You know, Drake Kajula is 24, but he doesn't have a ton of NHL mileage on him. I mean, they have, like you said, they have reloaded and they've gotten younger at the same time. And that's sort of the thing, like, maybe if they can move away from a Duncan Keith, while it would really hurt to tear that Band-Aid off, if you can add two young players, maybe a forward and a defenseman for him, then we're suddenly talking, right? You're, You're talking about depth and you hope that, that Jonathan Taves can sort of – I don't think he can sustain what he's done this year, but if he's a, a 50, 60, 65-point guy for the next three or four years and Patrick King can play anything close to what he's playing, maybe you're talking about contention again when you're adding in that free agent with some of that money you've saved now. I yeah. don't know, man. They're, they're, it, this can turn quickly if the Hawks play their cards right. I do think that the biggest factor for their future is the ability to move Duncan Keith because if yep. he decides to stay – not only does that hurt them in probably their most tradable assets, it also hurts them in a log jam and a young defenseman who probably won't have a spot. You're talking about it won't be Boquist, but maybe an Ian Mitchell 
or Nicholas Bodan is held back a little bit because of Duncan Keith. Brent Seabrook, look, if they can move him, great. It's not going to happen. There's no team <laughs> in their right mind that's going to take on Brent Seabrook at this point. There's no way. So Give I, Sam I, Bowman the Golden Blackberry Award if he can somehow manage to move Brent Seabrook. He is instantly the executive of the millennium if seriously. he's able to get rid of that contract. Yeah, if he can correct his own horrible mistake. Yes, well, and then I've also seen some criticism of Stan that he shouldn't get too much credit for correcting his his horrible mistakes, getting rid of Brandon Manning and Jan Ruda and those guys. I have to disagree with that. Like, those weren't high-priced mistakes, you know? Like, it wasn't like those guys were making boatloads of money or anything like that. They were just bad. And so Stan Bowman moved them and got incredible value in return for them, apparently. So... I think he deserves credit, and I think that people who are, you know, really quick to poo-poo stand for that stuff, you gotta, you gotta just take the L on this one. He's done a good job of getting out of those kinds of uh, situations. Speaking yeah. of, well, hold on, let me address that up. real quick because oh, oh, you know what? Yeah, you you go ahead, Jay. I teed you up, man. <laughs> I mostly agree with you. However, there's no doubt that the Kunitz and Manning things were Stan's like tongue-in-cheek response to what Q asked him for. We need a veteran forward and a stay-at-home defenseman. Okay, here you go. Uh, not these two. <laughs> you know, So, like, I'm not like, oh, we tried something and it didn't work. Shrug. He knew that wasn't going to work. Come on. Come on. Stan Bowman knew those moves weren't going to work. And as soon as, as Q was shipped out, he fixed a team, and a team, this roster is better. And a lot of people have said, like, what would the record be with Q? I don't know, but probably not this good because chances are he wasn't going to suddenly figure out the power play after 10 years. Yeah. Right? And the power play has been the main reason for this run. So give Jeremy Cowton credit. We got in trouble last week because we gave ourselves credit for giving Jeremy Cowton credit. So we won't do that anymore. No, we, we will not uh, pat ourselves on the back for being absolutely right to give Jeremy Cowden the benefit of the doubt and to be patient with him. We're anyone, not going to do that. Is there anyone talking hockey smarter than us? I don't. I really I, don't think so. I, I, I honestly, Jay, have had a lot of really bad takes on this show, so I'm Correct. not going to continue down this road with you. I'm going to go ahead and stop. Artemi Panarin is a one-trick pony. I'm hockey expert Jay Zawoski. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one really nice trick, and it works all the time. So I guess I don't know. Oh, man. All right. Anyway, um, <laughs> you're also talking to somebody who wrote a blog saying that the Blackhawks should have kept Martin Havlat instead of signing Marion Hosa. Oh, you so. didn't have to bring that up. I was yeah, going to let you skate yeah. by that one. Nope, nope. See, <laughs> if we're if we're each going to bring up mistakes of our past, then I feel like I have to do it. So, All right. Anyway, you know what? Can yes. we move past this to my the point that I was going to make before we got off on this tangent? I suppose. It does involve Joel Quenville, ironically enough, and you did bring him up, so it's a perfect segue. All right. The Anaheim Ducks finally wised up and realized what many, many, many hockey fans and observers have known for a long time, and that's that Randy Carlisle is not a good coach. (gasps) What? And I know I am stunned beyond belief. Anyway, all false and phony, uh, sarcastic shock aside... It brings me it brings up another question to me, which is out of all the teams that have fired coaches and are kind of going through the process of deciding whether they want to keep the interim guy around. Have any of the openings that have come up really like screamed to you, Joel Quenville? 
Uh, I thought Philly, but it hasn't happened, so I don't think it's going to. Mm. That was the one sort of when I saw that open up, I was like, oh, okay, that's that's probably going to be the one. And uh, no, I I don't know. I I, I God no, I, I that that to me was the one that really made sense. Now will Edmonton move on from Ken Hitchcock? Uh, if I'm Stan I, Bowman, I or Stan Bowman. Whoops. If I'm Joel Quenville, I'm like, oh yeah, that's the one. That's mm-hmm. the one I want to dig my claws into and get a hold of. And with with some of the talent on that team, with not only Connor McDavid but Leon Dreisaitl and some of those other guys, and they've got some pluggers too that Quenville will love. Once they fix that defense a little bit, I think a coach like Q could really turn that franchise around quickly. I I hope for our sake as hockey fans that Edmonton doesn't figure it out because it's frankly hilarious to watch them flail about while the best player in hockey just str- like struggles to maintain his sanity. Like I feel bad for him. I I don't. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> He's he's making a lot of money. I okay. And he I think he knew what he was getting into when he became the highest paid player in the NHL and decided to stay in Edmonton for the long term. All but right. I mean, to to be fair to him now, it's uh it's nice that Peter Chirelli is gone. And so it's a start. maybe bring maybe bringing in Joel Quenville, maybe that makes Edmonton a little bit more hospitable. I don't know. And then maybe get rid of the orange jerseys and uh go back to blue. I yes, don't know. Please. And not maybe blue. Yeah, those no, I'm just telling you, man, you want to make Edmonton a better place. That's kind of how you start to do it. Get rid of Peter Chiarelli, yep. bring back the blue jerseys, bring in Joel Quenville. Seems to me like that would be a pretty good start in making that team better. So I- I'm leaning Edmonton in the grand scope of openings and where Joel Quenville would fit. I think Edmonton works really well. Maybe St. Louis, too. But then again, they've yeah. won six games in a row. So who the heck knows what they're going to do? Screw those guys. It would be funny watching Joel Quenville go back there, but I also don't think they have a really good long-term hope of sustained contention. So, you know what? He can do whatever he wants. I don't care. He's gone. All right. Are you ready to do the email of the show, my friend? I am always ready to do the email of the show. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. That's right. The email of the show, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit Chuck'sCafe.com. My partner on the I'm Fat podcast, Rick Camp, went over the Chuck's the other day, had the jambalaya, and confirms what I have been telling you for years. Chuck's has the best jambalaya you've ever had. And on a nice, cold, wintry day, nothing warms your insides like jambalaya from Chuck's. They have it every day with or without the crawfish, with or without the andouille sausage, whatever you want, it will be absolutely amazing, and you'll love every bite. But that's not all. If you're not a jambalaya person, go get the barbecue. Go get the Mexican. Go get the other Cajun food. Check out the specials. Everything at Chuck's is outstanding. So go to chuckscafe.com. Check out their menu. Check out their specials. The specials vary from Burbank to Darien. So check them both out. But either way, whichever one you go to, you're going to find something you love. So go to chuckscafe.com, Burbank and Darian, emailer of the show, comes to our longtime friend of this podcast and the I'm Fat podcast and our Twitter accounts, Russell Schneider. What's up, Russ? He says, here's a question I never thought I'd asked. Based on the Hawks' performance as of late, do you think firing of Coach Q was overdue? Obviously, it would have made more sense to do it in the offseason, but do you think he may have been holding the team back? 
or is it or is this just new pieces performing well and or just a fluke? Um, okay. So what I'm going to say is that Joel Quenville is the best coach in Blackhawks history, one of the best coaches in NHL history. I mean, he's second in wins for a reason. Mm-hmm. What I will say, however, is that I think especially on offense, I think the Blackhawks needed a new voice. They needed a new direction. They needed a new system. And I think we have seen the fruits of that bear out with the way that the team is playing under Jeremy Colladin. Offensively, they look really good. The power play looks excellent. I don't think either of those things would have happened with Joel Quinville at the helm this season. However, I still think that Joel's defensive system can work if given the proper pieces and they just didn't happen to have them. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens as the team rebuilds this defense, whether or not Jeremy Colladin is also going to be able to kind of revolutionize them the way that he did the offense. So what I will say is that, yes, it was overdue to fire Joel Quenville, but not because Joel suddenly became a bad coach. It just, it was time. It had been a decade and I mean, I think the thing had run its course. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, and and you said it uh, pretty much perfectly. I, I think any any coach or manager has a shelf life uh, with a team, and no matter how committed, no matter how you know dedicated and great your players and your roster is, I think after a while it starts to fall on deaf ears a little bit. You can only hear the same message over and over again so many times before it just starts to become white noise like the teacher in peanuts i don't know if it was quite that way with q but this team is built to be offensive it's built to move the puck with speed and yes they did that when they had you know duncan keith in his prime and brent seabrook in his prime and nicholas jalmerson in his prime and johnny oduya in his prime and brian campbell in his prime and all these defensemen that could push the puck up ice and push the play while playing three of those guys I mentioned anyway in Keith Seabrook and Jalmerson playing shut down defense yeah a lot you know you could do a lot with that system but I think the way that this team was built and I think the way this team is going to be in the next few years look Adam Bolquist is not a Joel Quenville kind of player Nicholas Bodan is not a Joel Quenville kind of player this team is being built on speed and offense on risk taking on high wire acts and Joel Quenville is probably not the guy to coach a team like that. We talked a lot about Joel kind of putting square pegs in round holes a lot. And that's, I think, why the power play struggled sometimes. Look, you have some guys here like Eric Gustafson, like Michael Kempney, who, yeah, maybe they weren't as defensively sound as you'd prefer, but when you use them correctly, you shelter them at even strength and you use them on the power play, the results speak for themselves. Jeremy Cowton has done that. He has used players to their strengths. And to me, I think that has been the biggest difference between him and Joel. So, yeah, I do think it should have been done in the offseason. I do think that would have been a better situation for everybody. We have talked about this to death, but I just want to reiterate, Joel Quenville is and probably forever will be the best coach in Blackhawks history. He should have a statue on Madison. Just like everybody else, there should be a giant Q hanging from the rafters of the United Center for the rest of Blackhawks eternity. (laughs) I love Joel Quenville. He is my favorite NHL coach of all time. But it was overdue. It was time. And I think it's worked out for the best for all parties. And and like we discussed, maybe Joe Quenville goes to Edmonton, goes to St. Louis, goes somewhere else, and revitalizes and reinvents a new franchise. 
and takes home another Stanley Cup and another couple hundred wins. That would be awesome to see, just hopefully not at the expense of the Blackhawks. That's right. All right, man. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Of course, we got to thank our sponsors, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Rabbit Brewing, the time has come for you to drink mythological-level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. And our star real estate broker, Michael Elwood, with REMAX First Service, 708-675-1600. Find your dream home with Michael Elwood. And, of course, we got to remind you, you heard the promo to start the podcast. We are less than two weeks away from our outing with the Chicago Wolves, February 24th. 20 bucks gets you a ticket to the game, free parking, free hot dog, free soda, free Madhouse podcast t-shirt, free Wolves gear, a free pregame meet and greet, all that for $20. 20 bucks for all that. That's a hot dog and a soda. That's 20 bucks. A t-shirt's 20 bucks. You get all that for $20. So go to madhousepod.com slash events. We have very limited tickets left. So do not wait any longer. This will sell out. It is sold out every time we've done it in the past. So make sure you don't miss out. Madhousepod.com slash events. We will see you on the 24th at the Wolves game. Until then, I will talk to you or James will talk to you tomorrow night after the game. But for that, drive safe. The weather's crap. Take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.